Hi, and welcome to the Burning Ones podcast. Our desire is to see people all around the world burn for one name, Jesus. We pray that you experience the love and power of Him through this journey. Thank you for joining us, and may burning witnesses arise. Uh, if you have a Bible, how did Mary Poppins say just a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down? We'll go ahead and get the laugh out in the beginning. Maybe it'll, it'll soften the heart, it'll ready the palate. Um, if you have a Bible, you can get it out. We are going to hop right in. Uh, we have been tracking with the book of Daniel. We're going to do so again today, not because we don't have anything else to do, not because there are not other books throughout the Bible that are important, that are prominent. Uh, they all hold individually an incredibly powerful place. Um, I just believe that there are very real prophetic insights that we are gleaning from the book of Daniel, specifically the life of Daniel uh, as a person, yes, as a prophet, yes, um, but as a people. I believe Daniel gives us a glimpse of the church at the end of the age, um, the church thriving in Babylon. Again, if you're familiar with the story of Babylon, if you've been tracking with us for any amount of time, over the past six, seven months, you know, uh, Daniel has been central uh, to where we have been, the things that we have been unpacking, what we have been discussing uh, over what is now many, 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 many weeks uh, in a row, which I believe today, uh, today is Tuesday. Yes, today is Tuesday. Uh, but today, um, Tuesdays are when new podcast episodes go live. Right? So today, I want to say, is the first day, if you've been tracking with the podcast, Burning Witnesses podcast, you can search Burning Ones or the Burning Witnesses podcast, whether that's going to be iTunes, whether that's going to be Android. Uh, there are a variety of other places. It's on Google and uh, Spotify and uh, all kinds of places. But if you've been tracking with the podcast, if you haven't, then you can download it. What you will find is that up until today, we have taken the necessary time in order to post all of the convocation messages uh, from 2019, as we were on a prophetic tour, we believed. Um, all of the messages are there. And today would be the first day where we are posting messages from the quarantine season. So from earlier this year, the transition from all of what was 2019 into 2020 to show how they are directly connected. When we started going live earlier this year, it had nothing to do with feeling that we needed to be responsive to the things that were going on. It was in no way, shape, or form motivated by, oh man, all hell is breaking loose. We got to jump on and do something. We want to be seen. We got to try to say something. It had nothing to do with that, but more so, um, coming into the conclusion of last year, the Lord had us uh, let, let's just say buried, invited into a beautiful place, um, a 40, uh, ended the year consistently in a variety of ways, fasting and praying, um, but coming into 2020 in a 40, um, buried beautifully with the Lord, underground, off the radar, totally off the grid, um, to the point where we had people reaching out to us saying, hey, are you guys okay? Like, we haven't heard from you guys. We haven't seen you anywhere. Like, nobody's posting. Like, man, did something go on that we didn't know about? Like, did we miss some post somewhere that was, like, giving us insight? Or, like, is everything okay? Uh, everything was amazing. Everything was fine. Uh, we were just trying to obey the Lord in a season of go hide yourself. Um, 
You know, we find everybody wants to be Elijah when the invitation is go show yourself. Um, we live in a show yourself generation. Uh, I started to think of the old phrase, show your ride, um, or show enough if you're familiar with old school movies. Um, I, I have a sinus infection. It may be the medication that I'm on. Wh whatever the deal, I, I promise you it's going to be good. Um, but we wanted to obey the invitation from the Lord to go hide yourself. And so getting off the grid, completely off the radar, laying low, we felt beautifully buried with the Lord. Um, and resurfacing, we jumped into what was the beginning of the COVID or the quarantine season with these live streams. And so those messages are going to begin to be posted now on the podcast. Um, download that, listen to those. Um, you will see, uh, if you track with last year, coming into this year, that Amos 3 is a reality to the Lord. For surely the Lord will do no thing without first revealing it, without first preparing his people. Uh, today, if you are turning to the book of Daniel with us, turn all the way to the end of the book of Daniel. We're going to look at the very last verse in the book of Daniel. Um, the very last verse, all the way to the end. Uh, that's going to be Daniel chapter 12. And there's only 13 verses in the last chapter, but we're going to look at that 13th verse. And we are going to consider the statement, allegiances can be declared, but they must be tested over time. Allegiances can be declared. They can be communicated. They can be weighed. They can be articulated. Um, in a moment, we can say things. We can declare things. We can even decree things. Um, in a moment, we can supposedly surrender our life to things. We can uh, consider commitments in a variety of measures and ways. Um, but allegiances can be declared, but they must be tested over time. And in the last verse of the book of Daniel, we find in verse 13, I'm going to read it out of the NASB, but then I'm going to consider it in some other translations. It says, but as for you, now this is the messenger that has come to Daniel, right? When you look through the book of Daniel, you find a variety of manifestations supernatural signs, wonders. Daniel's life seems to beautifully abound in a revelatory way with insights. He has visitors. He has visitations. He's on his knees praying as he does three times a day with the window open towards Jerusalem. And in chapter nine, a man flies in the window, but he's not shook. He's not worried. He's not bothered by it at all. He may be a little taken back because of his focus in the moment, but he says, it didn't startle me to the point where I was afraid because I had seen him before in an earlier vision. Daniel's life seems to beautifully abound in a revelatory way. There's dreams. There's all kinds of dreams. There's all kinds of visions. There's night visions. There's visions throughout the day. He's overwhelmed and seeming to be raptured gloriously in the middle of the day in chapter 10 after he had been fasting and praying for 21 days and there on the bank of the river where he was we have details because he was intentional he was a steward he was a prophetic scribe we have all of the insights from his life because he was responsible with the things that had been revealed to him 
He says, a man appeared to me, glorious in appearance. He said, bright shining, who wearing white linen. He gives all of these uh, details about what he was in encountering. And when we find at the end of chapter 12, th these words have to be held in light of Daniel's life because we are going to take these words and then look at where they fit in the context of Daniel's life as he is actually living it and being tested by it. Uh, because you know as well as I do. Um, you can say whatever you want to say. Uh, as a matter of fact, talk is cheap. Um, we live in a day where talk abounds. Uh, you don't have to go very far. You can just open your phone and scroll through whatever your preferred uh, social media app to find out that there's a surplus. There's an abundance um, of people that are just talking and people are saying all kinds of stuff. Uh, social media has made the world really small. It's made everybody an expert. Um, everybody is a self-proclaimed authority. Um, and regardless of size of sphere, and no matter how that influence came, uh, whether you are buying that crowd uh, to be impressive with the numbers that are reflected on your platform, uh, whether you are leveraging other ways in order to build that audience, so to speak, uh, I think that we need to be aware that not everyone's influence has been authorized by God himself. That would be a helpful tidbit of insight in the very beginning so that we don't become deceived by people that have large platforms or followings or seem to be appealing to a specific crowd. You don't actually know how the crowd came about or where the following actually came from. Uh, and that's just right to say, because if even John the Baptist, when questioned about his crowd, would respond this way. Um, they told him, hey, bro, your crowd is shrinking. Your following is decreasing. Uh, people are no longer liking your stuff. They're unsubscribing. Um, everybody's actually following this new kid up the block on the other side of the river. Man, this Jesus dude that you've been talking about, you know, the other day when you were out, you said, behold the lamb. Like everybody is going after him. Your crowd is decreasing. Our influence is shrinking. And John, when confronted with what would be devastating for any of us in this day, I'm sure, considering the implications and the role that social media plays in all of our lives for whatever reason, for whatever reason, for whatever reason, that influence, the implications of such, all that we feel we would lose out on. Um, and when I say we, I, I don't know if I'm including myself in the conversation. I don't want to be because of the way things sound, but maybe, maybe there's a part of it there that's for me too. So I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to us, all of us. But John looks at him. Whoever it is, unnamed, that's typically the way they go. Tough guys are always anonymous. Um, whoever it is, and he says, no, you don't actually get it. A man can only receive that which is given him from heaven. And I'm being tested right now with how responsible I'm going to be with what's been revealed to me. Sure, I know I could do a bunch of stuff to supposedly save my influence, uh, I get it. I could try to do a bunch of stuff to uh, reimagine, uh, reevaluate, repackage, and redistribute our brand. Um, but you don't understand. Um, the bridegroom is more important to me than my brand. And his bride means more to me than my brand. And he says, a man can only receive what's actually been given him by heaven. And I've actually found my purpose. I know my role. I'm in my place. 
I've postured myself. I'm being responsible, even if it looks like it's being irresponsible to the rest of the world or those who seem to be roundabout with close proximity to understand the implications of potentially how devastating this should be. This is not devastating to me at all. As a matter of fact, I am overjoyed because he must increase and I must decrease because I'm the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make ye straight paths. Make ye straight ways, for the king is coming. The bridegroom is here. And regardless of what we feel has been revealed, we have to be responsible. And we find in the life of Daniel that there are simultaneously, I know we said we were going to read the verse, we're going to get there. We find simultaneously Daniel's private life, his devotion, He's a man who's been built by consecration. He's a man who's given himself to the Lord in secret. And it radically affects, it impacts the way that he interacts with all of life in public. Daniel's life is not odd. It is not random. It is not seemingly abstract as in there is no point of connection from what is being revealed to him in a secret place to the way that he is holding himself accountable in a public place. Daniel has this beautiful life of encounter that is informing everything that he knows he is supposed to do as he postures himself out in public. Daniel is living his life actually not randomly but incredibly intentionally. Daniel is is a man that has been seized in secret and it is infusing him with great power. It is infusing him to be committed. It is empowering him for his allegiance to his king, not Nebuchadnezzar, not Belshazzar, not Darius, not Cyrus, but Yahweh, the most high, the ancient of days, the son of man, the rightful ruler who has this unending kingdom that will judge the rulers of the age, that will judge powers and principalities to which his kingdom will have no end and the people that he possesses from every tribe, every nation, every tongue that will be possessed by him to rule with him. Daniel is secure, but he's not secure because everything seems to be settled and certain out in public. As a matter of fact, when all hell is breaking loose, when everything seems uncertain, when adversity seems to abound and the fire is is raging and hostility is swirling round about and there are many trials and a price to pay for the allegiance that he has declared, uh, we find that in the moments when Daniel is tested, he is faithful. He is responsible. But his responsibility is not coming from some worldly ambition. His responsibility is not coming from the entitlements that he enjoys in Babylon. His responsibility is not coming because there's all types of gifts and promises and opportunities that are being presented to him if he will compromise his devotion or his allegiance. Daniel is faithful because he knows what he has seen in private. Daniel is faithful because all of his public life is being informed by revelation. Let me just encourage you. If you are turning more to the information of the world than you are to the revelation that abounds in the secret place, you don't have a shot. You have no chance. 
I don't say that to be condemning. Uh, it's just the truth of the matter. Uh, if you're turning more to the information of the world, and if your heart is being swallowed up by all of the information that is coming across, whatever the airwaves are, whatever the, the scrolling mechanism is, whatever the TD channel might be, whatever the news, uh, uh, let's say, outlet that's your preference that you read, if you're looking more to political talking heads and you're looking more to these underground narratives and you're looking more at all the conspiracy stuff and you're looking more at all of the stock market numbers and you're looking more at all of the world stats and you're looking more at all the CDC stuff, if you're looking at all of the the information of the world rather than having your heart and life beautifully overtaken by revelation in the secret place, um, you, you actually don't have a shot to posture yourself correctly so that your allegiance will never be compromised. You have no chance. You, you have no chance because there is too much opportunity for deception there is too much opportunity for seduction in the day that we are living. There is too much opportunity to be deceived, to fall out of allegiance with Jesus because of something that you believe looks like him, something that you believe sounds like him, something that you want so much to be him because of the way that you might just want it. Um, our life is to be informed through what is revealed in the secret place. And Daniel lives a faithful life. But listen to these words. Daniel 12, 13. Again, th this is in an encounter. This is out of an encounter. There's a messenger that's come to him. And this is the close of that encounter. But as for you, go your way to the end. And then you will enter into rest and rise again for your allotted portion at the end of the age. But as for you, talking directly to Daniel, but, but pertaining to you, like this is the charge for you. This is the way that you are being commissioned out of the encounter. There's a messenger, yes, but the messenger carries a message. And the message to you directly, this is something individually. This is not, hey, touch your neighbor, he's preaching to you. This isn't like, hey, slap three people, tell him it's, it's for you, it's for you, it's for you. No, this is, but as for you, this is a direct message to Daniel. This lands on Daniel's life. But as for you, Go your way till the end, and then you will enter into rest and rise again for your allotted portion at the end of the age. Let's listen to that in another translation. <laughs> and you, Daniel, be faithful to the end, and then you'll die, but you're going to be raised from the dead, and you're going to rise to receive your reward at the end of the age. But Daniel, this is for you. Daniel, understand the terms. Be faithful to the end. But what does that mean, be faithful to the end? Be faithful to the end. We have to understand that the encounter that he's in the midst of, because again, there are beautiful pieces throughout 
the second half of the book of Daniel, that if we do not understand contextually the way that the book of Daniel is set up, we will miss some of the important points and we will not draw the correct conclusions based off of just a straight reading through. We understand that the encounter that Daniel is in actually backtracks to chapter 11 and the beginning of chapter 11, this is the way that it opens. In the first year of Darius the Mede, I arose to be an encouragement and a protection for him. And now I will tell you the truth. In the first year of Darius, in the first year of Darius, well, I understand that this is chapter 11, but Darius is found in chapter six. So we have to take chapter 11 back to the undercurrent of chapter six because chapter six gives us what's happening in public. Well, what's happening in public? In public, things are not going well for Daniel. In public, he's actually committing a crime because there are demonic minions that are in government political structures that rally alongside of King Darius. Man, if you think that demonic minions in politics is a new thing, we can backtrack thousands of years and find that these folks in government structures in Babylon are being influenced demonically and they're rallying to King Darius and they come to Darius and convince him to make Daniel's faithful life a crime. Again, we went over this. I don't like it when he prays. Of course, because you're demon-possessed. I don't like it when he prays. We have to stop him from praying. And the way that we can do that is we're going to convince the king to create all types of weird new laws and to write edicts and to create injunctions and to make decrees throughout culture and to create a governance that it makes it illegal in order for everybody to pray because we actually don't like it when Daniel prays. And the only way that we can stop him is to stop everybody. But we're willing to stop everybody so that we can stop somebody. But this is chapter six. And in chapter six, underneath, behind the scenes, the undercurrent is Daniel is living in encounter and there's angelic messengers and there's a host of visitations that are coming to him, unveiling to him beautiful kingdom truths and mysteries and realities from a heavenly source. And Daniel has revelation in secret that allows him to be faithful in public because it didn't just become a crime, he got thrown into the lion's den. Um, why? Because when they wrote the injunction, because when they made his faithful life illegal, um, when all of the demonic hierarchy rallied alongside of the king and convinced him to create new laws that would directly be against God's man or desires, um, Daniel said, man, y'all must really think I'm not about this life. Um, that's cool. I'm going to take it to the house because I have something that I've seen in secret that will not allow me to compromise in public. And Daniel goes and he begins to pray and they come and get him. Like this isn't a game. Like they come and get him. And they come and get him and they throw him into the lion's den. Now Daniel has already heard these words. Daniel, be faithful to the end. 
We know there's much more that happens in Daniel's life because Darius isn't the only king. Darius actually passes and Cyrus takes his place and Daniel lives through Cyrus too. So we know that there's more to Daniel's story, but we know that he doesn't necessarily in the moment. He doesn't in the moment. He's in chapter six. He doesn't have the other chapters that are still going to be written about his life. He doesn't have the whole book put together and presented to him so that he can read the end and then superimpose it into the middle. He's not finding strength in a weird way as we do when we read the end and then put it back in the middle. He doesn't know. All he knows is that God has come to me and he's revealed to me his desires for my life. I have these dreams. I have these visions. Man, I've had these encounters. Man, there's been messengers, but there's been messages. And there's been mysteries that God has revealed. There's been insights that have been unpacked. There's been truths and realities that God has unfolded and imparted into me. Something has happened and something is happening to me in the secret place where God is bringing revelation to me and the revelation gives me the information as to how I am to handle my life when I am out in public. And he gets fed to the lion's den. Um, this is not cool. Uh, he gets fed to the lion's den. But be reminded of the words. Daniel, be faithful to the end. You're going to die. But don't worry. Even though you enter into rest, you will rise. God will raise you from the dead. And at the end of time, you will receive your reward. We have to understand Daniel doesn't know if this is his moment. But he said, be faithful to the end. Again, allegiances can be declared. But allegiances must be tested. And time tests all things. And Daniel has been living for the Lord now for decades. It has been decades. This isn't a new thing. You take it all the way back to the beginning. Chapter one, they're exiled. There's an allegiance. Lord, if you're asking us to consecrate ourselves to you, we'll do it. Even though there's a supposed penalty, even though there's going to be conflict, we'll fast. We'll fast. We'll pray. We will modify our diet to the way that you're asking us to. We'll do vegetables and water for three years. Uh, I get it, Lord. Okay. We can't feast. We can't enjoy the delicacies from the king's table. We're going to honor you. This isn't just some thing that gets articulated and then it's wishy-washy from there on out because of conflict, because of compromise, because of penalty, because when the consideration of the cost gets weighed, it's like, man, like I, I don't, this isn't going to go good for us. And there's a cost, like there's an actual consequence. Um, allegiances are consequential. Allegiances are consequential. And Daniel understands, I've given my life to you. Like you are king, you're who I'm living for. I've actually forfeited. I've surrendered. I've turned over my life to you. In chapter one, it looks like the table. Chapter two, he comes in and he rebukes the king. He rebukes the king because the king has a dream and he's faithful to bring the correct interpretation. But the correct interpretation comes through a night vision 
where God reveals to him mysteries, insights pertaining to what needs to happen in public. Again, there is a mighty wave of revelation in private. There are things that are happening in secret. There are things being revealed in secret so that Daniel knows how to live his life in public, so that he understands the terms of interaction in public, so that he is able to count the cost and then be responsible with what has been revealed when the moment comes. Yes, there are consequences, but I have counted that cost and I'm going to honor you. And he rebukes the king. Hey man, this is the dream. You're not going to like it. Um, but I gotta, I just gotta lay it down the way I gotta lay it down. And this is what it is. I'm going to honor the king, but not King Nebuchadnezzar. I'm going to honor King Jesus. And this is what he's saying. I know what he's saying. I know it may not go good for me, but hey, man, I've counted that cost. I understand the consequences of the terms, but here it is. I'm going to be faithful to the end, whether the end comes right now, whether it comes sometime in the future. I will not compromise. I'm not going to bow out. I am going to honor the Lord with the entirety of my life Um, because I understand that I'm not living for earthly rewards. Uh, but I'm living for the reward on the other side of the end of the age. Uh, I'm living for that reward where again, whether I rise from the dead or I'm alive at the time of his appearing, I am living for the reward that he is going to come with. At least this is what the son of man said himself in Matthew 16. Any man who tries to save his life, those of you that spend a whole bunch of time trying to protect, trying to preserve, trying to lobby for your own self-interest, trying to put all of your preferences and compromises together in order to avoid the consequences, you're actually going to be the ones that end up losing out. But anybody, that's willing to lose their life for my sake and for the gospel, you're going to find yourself. You're going to come alive. And when the son of man returns, riding upon the clouds with a myriad of angels in all of the glory of his father, I will return with my rewards for those who honored me and lived for me. For those who were faithful while they had time and deeds done in the flesh. You turn over to chapter three. Things are still tough. There's a furnace, but there's no compromise. There's a consequence, but there's faithfulness. There's another injunction, but hey, listen, we're not just trying to break the law to break the law, but you got to understand there's a law that's bound in my heart. I've got the law of God that's been branded upon my heart. I'm bound to the law of the spirit. I'm honoring the king. And if that doesn't honor the earthly king, I want to honor the heavenly king. And if honoring the heavenly king gives me trouble in honoring the earthly king, I'm going to honor the, the heavenly king, even if it costs me my life. And at the cost of their life, they make that declaration. We're going to be faithful to the end, whether it's out here, whether it's in there, you can do whatever you want, but we've counted the cost. We'll pay that consequence. Have it your way. We're not bowing out here. We're not bowing in there. If we get consumed by the fire, amazing. But if he consumes us on the inside and delivers us, praise God. But either conclusion, we've already determined who it is that we are going to be. Um, you turn the page. Chapter four. Stuff is still rough. Um, another dream. Another rebuke. Um, because Daniel has decided. But what you need to understand is that while Nebuchadnezzar is king, Daniel is having dreams in private. While Nebuchadnezzar is king, Daniel is being visited in secret. He's not just boasting. He's not just 
flaunting. He's been gripped. He's a man who carries revelation. So the information being presented to him is not what is the greatest influence in his heart and life. The information of the terms, the information of the consequences, the information of society's hostility and all of the normalizing of cultural terms is not what is paramount to him. What is ultimate, what is paramount is he is a man who has been gripped with revelation and revelation from the secret place, meeting with God in private, knowing God's desires in secret. It is what is settling him and allowing him to position or posture himself in public to be responsible. Um, you turn over to chapter five. Um, but what we need to understand is in chapter five. Chapter five kind of opens in a weird place. It doesn't give us the idea of the timeline as to where this actually lands in Belshazzar's timeline of being king. Chapter five just opens and says, Belshazzar's king. We know that Belshazzar is Nebuchadnezzar's son. Nebuchadnezzar has passed. Belshazzar has taken over in place of his dad. And it says that he's holding a feast. But let's, let, let's listen to these things also. Chapter seven. In the first year of Belshazzar the king, Daniel has a dream. And we know we've talked extensively about this dream. He has a dream where he sees powers and principalities. They look like beasts. The first one looks like a lion. The second one looks like another beast. And on and on and on it goes. He sees beasts that are permitted to rule the earth. The rulers of the age. Powers and principalities. And he sees these demonic influencers. We wrestle not with flesh and blood, but there's an unseen realm where there's actually high places, spiritual wickedness, dark forces. There's an authoritative realm and there are ranks to the rulers of the age, powers and principalities. And Daniel has this dream where he sees these beasts roaming the earth, but he sees the ancient of days and he takes his place on a throne and the son of man, it's a divine human. It's one who's fully man, but fully God come riding upon the clouds. And he takes his place next to him. Other thrones are established, but he sees that the ancient of days bestows upon the son of man a kingdom that will never end. And the right not just to rule forever, but the right to judge and to bring judgment to the rulers of the age. These beasts, the activity and the influence of these wicked ones, these powers and principalities. And we see in Daniel's vision in chapter seven that they are judged eternally and that there are a people that the son of man possesses, a tribe, a family, a bride, that's the church, from every tribe, nation, and tongue. And they are rallied up, possessed up alongside of the son of man to serve him or to serve alongside of him. Why is this important? Because Daniel has already lived through the tyranny of one wicked king. And this says in the first year of Belshazzar. But what we also find is that when you turn the page, you come to chapter eight. And here we have more dreams, more visions, more encounters, more angelic messengers, more wisdom, more revelation, more insight, more understanding, which wisdom, 
insight, learning, understanding. Funny, that, that sounds like a spiritual impartation that they received in chapter one when they identified that the Lord wanted them to enter into consecration a certain way. Yes, three years, vegetables and water, but the outcome or the impact of such consecrated efforts was wisdom, learning, insight, understanding, and unto Daniel, the ability to interpret dreams and visions of all kinds. And here we are in chapter eight. Again, his life beautifully abounding in a revelatory way. In the third year of Belshazzar, a vision appeared to me. A vision appeared to me. So here we have in the first year, but we also have in the third year. But what we understand is that somewhere on the timeline of Belshazzar being king. Again, I want you to see the components that are underneath the experience in chapter five. In chapter five, Belshazzar is king and he throws a feast and he makes a mockery of the things of God and a hand manifests at their party. It says a man's hand appears out of thin air and begins writing on the wall. And they are perplexed, obviously. I'm sure they're scared out of their mind, but they are perplexed. But one of the servants, one of the queens says, there's a man in the kingdom that during your father's tenure, it was known that the spirit of the gods dwelled in him and he carried insights and illumination. Call for him. And Belshazzar calls for him. And when he calls for him, li li listen to this. When he calls for him in chapter five, uh, th this is what he says. Um, then Daniel was brought in. This is verse 13 of chapter five. Then Daniel was brought in before the king and the king spoke and said to Daniel, are you that Daniel who is one of the exiles from Judah, whom my father, the king brought from Judah? Now I've heard about you, that a spirit of the gods is in you and that illumination, insight, and extraordinary wisdom have been found in you. Just now the wise men and the conjurers were brought in before me that they might read this inscription and make its interpretation known to me, but they could not declare the interpretation of the message. But I've personally have heard about you, that you're able to give interpretations and solve difficult problems. Man, where are the Daniels in our day? Where are the Daniels in our day that carry, listen to this, that carry the spirit of God? that carry illumination, insight, extraordinary wisdom? Where are the Daniels of our day that can make interpretations to all types of difficult problems and that can reveal God's desires to kings, government officials, politicians, presidents? Where are the Daniels of our day? May they arise, Lord. He said, but I personally have heard about you that you're able to give interpretations and solve difficult problems. Yeah, come on, Jesus. May Daniels arise. Now, if you're able to read the inscription and make its interpretation known to you, you'll be clothed with purple and wear a necklace of gold around your neck. And you'll have authority as the third ruler in the kingdom. Man, this is where it gets amazing. Um, man, this is where it gets amazing. Why does it get amazing? Because Daniel's not a sellout. Why does it get amazing? Because Daniel's not a compromise. 
Why does it get amazing? Because Daniel's not living for earthly rewards and he's not willing in order to not be responsible with things that have been revealed, even when there are leverages, even when there are opportunities, even when there seems to be financial gain, even when there seems to be relational desires, even when there seems to be political interest, even when there seems to be gifts and adornments and all sorts of doors that swing wide open that would possibly be preferable for him. Daniel is not a sellout. Listen to what Daniel says. Then Daniel answered and said before the king. Now, now understand, this is a hefty moment. Like, we have brought you in to serve our interests. We have sought for you throughout the kingdom. We have looked for you because of the testimony riding on your life from my father who was the king. There are things that have been said about you. You've been talked about. You come highly regarded and recommended. Um, and, and we need you to do something. Uh, we brought you in because we need you to do something. There's an outcome that we desire and you are a tool, so to speak, in our hand. At least that's what we think. A tool in our hand. At least that's what we desire in order for you to fulfill what it is that we're looking for. And listen to what Daniel says. Um, we're even going to reward you for it. We're going to reward you for it. Man, we're going to reward you, bro. Like, man, we're going to put purple robes on you. We're going to give you gold chains. You know what I mean? We're going to give you power and stature. We're going to elevate you. You're going to be the third most prominent person in all the kingdom. But listen to how it is being offered. And Daniel says, Keep your gifts. <laughs> oh, man. Keep your stuff. You can't buy me. I'm unwilling to be bought. I'm unwilling to be politicized. I'm unwilling to be lobbied for. You can't take all of your own self-interests and all of your own desires and rally my responsibility alongside of your cause to use me as a tool or a puppet in order to fulfill your own desires. I don't play that way, and these are not games to me. Keep your gifts. You can have your money. You can have your influence. You can have your power structures, your titles. You can have your platforms. Keep all your stuff. I'm not in it for the stuff. I can't be bought. I'm not in it for earthly rewards. I'm going to be faithful to the end because I know that my time will come and I know that I will enter into my rest or into the grave, that the end of my days will arise and I will die. But God will be faithful to me and he will raise me from the dead and at the end of the age, I will enter into my reward. But my reward um, is not the reward that you're offering right now. Man, oh man, um, where are those who can tell the difference? Where are those who actually carry real discernment on their life to realize that all of the world's rewards, they're not synonymous. They're not equivalent with God's rewards. That there's going to be many open doors. There's going to be many times where we're offered certain things, where, where the interest of being rewarded with certain things uh, is going to cause us to sell out. It's going to cause us to compromise. But again, if you don't have a vibrant secret place, if you don't have revelation coming to you in a private place, if you're not actually meeting with God for yourself 
and all of your information of how to handle yourself in public is coming from revelation that you are receiving from God in private, you don't have a chance. Daniel is looking at the king and he says, you can keep all your stuff, man. You can't buy me. It's just the way it goes. Um, it doesn't matter how much influence you offer me. Um, it doesn't matter how much you try to leverage. I'm not in it for that. Um, but king, you want to know the interpretation? I'll give you the interpretation. Um, your kingdom has been judged and it's been divided because you've been weighed in the balances and you've been found wanting. Where does a man's confidence to decree or to declare such a thing before a king come from? The only way that Daniel could stand with confidence before an earthly king is if, like Elijah, when he enters in in 1 Kings 17, I know I'm standing before an earthly king, but there's a king that I stand before. There's a God that's alive. There's a secret place of counsel that I frequent, that I've been given access to. The only way that Daniel could have confidence in front of an earthly king is if his heart had been filled with confidence before the heavenly king. And to know that regardless of what happened to him pertaining to earthly matters, that his reward was coming to him on how he handled revelatory matters. Hear that. Some of us are more interested in being successful with worldly matters, and we become irresponsible with heavenly matters. We are to be responsible with what has been revealed. And what has been revealed, meaning revelation from God in private, in secret, as we meet with him, as he's given us access to himself. Uh, we are not those that are abandoned. We've been not left out. We're not orphans. We have access to the mind of Christ by the spirit. We can know what's on God's heart. We have access to what's on God's mind. It is by God's spirit that has taken up residency on the inside of us. We know what it is that God is thinking by way of revelation. And our responsibility in public comes from things that have been revealed to us in private. And Daniel issues another rebuke. But he's already seen it in a dream. He's seen that the Son of Man is going to return and that he's going to judge all of the activity, all the tyranny of powers and principalities all the wicked structures and systems of the rulers of the age, all the beasts that seem to be roaming about and wielding influence and carnage in the earth. Daniel has seen, he has been overwhelmed by, he has been gripped by, it has been revealed to him, it has informed him as to how he is to position himself and interact with things that are happening in life. And Daniel is not out rebuking simply because he just enjoys uh, tongue lashing and thrashing folks, but he is out being responsible with what he knows has been revealed. And then we come back around to chapter six, which is where we started with Darius. And at the end of Daniel 12, which we know that encounter gets framed in from the beginning of chapter 11, which is in the first year of King Darius. These words come to Daniel. Again, chapter 12, verse 13. But as for you, Daniel, be faithful to the end. 
I want you to consider what does it actually look like being faithful to Jesus as king in these days? What does it look like to be faithful to Jesus as king? What does it look like being faithful to this king and his kingdom? What does it look like living as an ambassador, which is what Paul says we are in 2 Corinthians 5, 2 Corinthians 5.20. We're ambassadors of another kingdom. What does it look like to be responsible with matters pertaining to the gospel, living faithfully in light of the gospel and living faithfully to, the, to announce the gospel? What does it look like to be faithful and not just faithful in a moment, but faithful to the end? That was the charge to Daniel. Daniel, be faithful to the end. I know you've been faithful, but be faithful to the end. Again, allegiances can be declared. You can declare allegiance, but let me just invite you to consider the consequences of that allegiance to Jesus as king. Because I think for many of us, we're trying to wrestle that through the implications of other conversations that are happening, especially in America. What does it look like to honor Jesus as king in the middle of all of our political cycles and corruption? Um, let, let me just tell you, and, and as we've said previously, whether you're left wing, right wing, both wings belong to the same bird and the whole bird is corrupt. Whether you're left wing, right wing, you pick any wing, um, both wings belong to the same bird and the whole bird is sick. Because the political construct, the world system that wields power and finances and political interest and finances that involves corruption and sin and wickedness, understand the entire construct has been built through the involvement of sin. And what we are understanding in our moment in history is that human wisdom is failing us. Our anchoring in human wisdom, our tethering to all of man's insights, meaning fleshly, carnal, worldly insights, is failing us. All of man's attempts in order to reconcile all of the woes of the age in a humanistic, worldly way is failing, and it will continue to fail because the whole system was never set up to satisfy the fullness of the gospel. That's why we have an announcement of hope. The world and its ways, its system, its constructs, its wicked leaders, the tyranny, the hostility, the powers and principalities, all of the spirit of the age is passing and one day it will be judged. But you have an opportunity while time remains to repent and put your faith in the gospel because it is the announcement that brokenness is not our hope, but this king in all of his glory will one day return and he's coming with his rewards. Um, that's why we're a hope filled people. That's why we are a city set on a hill. That's why we are a people that are in it, but are not of it. That's why. And when we try to wrestle all of the implications of our faithfulness in this allegiance to Jesus as king, that was never meant or intended to fit nicely and neatly into all of the self-interest categories and conversations that the world's systems have constructed. And it does not end well when you start with the wrong side. You don't start with the worldly side and then try to figure out how Jesus fits. 
you start with Jesus. And when you start with Jesus, you realize very quickly all of what doesn't fit into him. Because um, you're going to wrestle for the rest of your life trying to figure out, is Jesus a Republican or a Democrat? You're going to wrestle for the rest of your life trying to figure out if he's for strong government, weak government. The government of God rests upon his shoulders and there's a glory in a kingdom that is unending and one day he will return and he will reconcile all things in a governmental way, the way that God has originally and intentionally desired for all of time. And at the end of time, those things will be reconciled. But you're going to waste a whole lot of time trying to figure out where does my life and my allegiance to Jesus fit nicely and neatly into the political category in conversation? Um, let, me just, let me just fix it for you. It doesn't. It doesn't. We live in America. Should we vote? Sure. Let's vote. But we vote biblically. We vote according to biblical interest and not self-interest. We vote according to biblical matters and not all of these other issues and activist groups and political narratives and financial gains and Wall Street woes and economic ordeals. We vote according to biblical principles and according to biblical matters because at the end of the days, the interest will be biblical and all that was biblical is all that will matter. And we don't even have time to get into all of the other categories and conversations. But let me just tell you this way. You don't start with the other categories. You don't start with the other conversations. You don't start with all the other worldly interests. You don't start with all the other self-help groups and tools. You start with Jesus. And you start with him as king. And if something don't fit, it don't fit. And if there's a consequence, there's a consequence. And if my allegiance doesn't necessarily create all these niceties, and it doesn't make things easy in life, I've counted the cost. I've surveyed the land. I've weighed all the possible outcomes, but I'm gonna be faithful to the end. I'm not just gonna honor him when things go well. I'm not just gonna live for him when things are easy. I'm not a convenience Christian, I'm a covenanted lover. I've given my life to him. I've counted that cost. I understand that there's real consequences. And whether the end of my time comes this afternoon when I have to survey that land once again and make a decision that may not necessarily go well for me, it is going to go well for me because all things go well for me because I've given all things to him. And this is where Daniel is living. Daniel, be faithful to the end. Be faithful to the end. Yeah, you're going to face some stuff. Yep, there's going to be all types of pressure. There's going to be trial. Be faithful to the end. Let me ask you, are you willing to honor him? Don't just think back to the good days in America. Are you willing to honor him right now? Leave all your self-interest stuff out of it. Leave all your other categories and conversations. Put all that stuff to the side. Crush it, squash it, get rid of it, offload it. Set your gaze, behold the lamb. Fix your face and become faithful. Are you willing to honor him? in the days that we are living. Not just hiding out, not just waiting for things to get back to normal, not just hoping for the resume of some sort of normalcy as we once knew it. Are you willing to honor him in the midst of the heat? Are you willing to honor him in the midst of the trial? 
Are you willing to honor him when things get difficult? Are you willing to honor him when it costs you relationships? Are you willing to honor him when doors get closed? Are you willing to honor him when people walk away? Are you willing to honor him when leverages and finances are at stake? Are you willing to honor him when the gifts are no longer abounding? And, and I mean worldly gifts. Hey, we'll give you gifts if, we do, if you do what we want you to do. Are you willing to honor him? Daniel, be faithful to the end because you're living for a reward. But it's actually not one that can be found in this world. But being responsible with what has been revealed, that's what's stocking up for you. A reward on the other side of your last breath. When we face him at the end of the age, Paul says that some of our works, some of our efforts, this is 2 Corinthians 5, when it passes through the judgment fire, it's going to be burned up as woods, hay, and stubble. But the encounter that Daniel was in, he said, Daniel, be faithful to the end. Faithfulness accrues reward. When we're responsible with what has been revealed, we are accruing for ourselves, if you would. Heavenly reward. Daniel, be faithful to the end. Your time is going to come. You will die. But God's going to be faithful. He's going to raise you from the dead. This is the mystery in Corinthians 15, 1 Corinthians 15, the mystery of the resurrection. Paul says, if we don't actually have hope in the resurrection, our whole faith is futile. But Daniel, God's going to be faithful. He's going to raise you from the dead. And at the end of time, at the end of the age, you're going to receive your inheritance. You're going to enter into your reward. Man, may your heart be strengthened today. In tough times. May your heart be strengthened today to actually, if you have not been in a way that has provided you real strength in public, begin meeting with God. Begin waiting upon the Lord. Begin tarrying in the place of prayer and worship and devotion. Put your face back in the scriptures. Press your face back up against the face of Jesus. Because in the escalation of the days and the wickedness that is on the rise, we need revelation. We need a vibrant secret place. We need all of the encounters and the visitations and the revelatory insights that God desires for us. And may your heart be strengthened today in Jesus as King to live for him and to start with him. And whatever doesn't fit in him, it doesn't fit. Whatever doesn't fit in him, it doesn't fit. That's the way it goes. That's the plumb line. That is the plumb line in the hour. Whatever doesn't fit in him doesn't fit. And I get it. That there's a whole bunch of issues. There's a whole bunch of social justice causes. There's a whole bunch of activism. There's a whole bunch of hostility. None of these things when being sought to satisfy by worldly wisdom, will ever be satisfied correctly. We don't have a social justice problem. We have a sin problem. And the sin problem will only be satisfied with Jesus as king and the power of the gospel, the wisdom of the cross, the reality of the blood. We have a sin problem. And so we start with Jesus.
and we reconcile all things to him as king. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We pray that it has fanned into flame the love that you have for him. If you would like more information about Burning Ones, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on social media, visit our website, burningones.org, or download our app.